Welcome back, literary slummers, to a Morph Monday episode of Shelf Aware. And in the words of Alexis from Shit's Creek, ew, David, I'm M. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, my phone just made a noise. I'm Anna, <laughs> professional podcaster, putting my phone on silent. <laughs> This, sorry, I forgot. This Monday, today, we read a book in the Animorph series. It is book number 21 and the second book in the David trilogy, The Threat. Scary, spooky scary. It was, it was a pretty big threat Um, and not the threat that we thought originally when reading the first book, I guess. Maybe maybe it uh, was. Yeah. I'm confusing the plots of the two books. Well, I think the threat turned out to be David. And we said that yes. the threat was probably going to be David. I mean, yes, but the Bandalites thought it was Visser Three and the President. But like, we all knew that was a lot of malarkey. A lot of malarkey. <laughs> uh, yeah, this one was for a, again the Jake POVs like are always good. It's just the Jake part of them that's not so great. Or do you think Jake did better here in this book? I would say actually that. It was better on Jake's part. He wasn't as intolerable mm-hmm. as usual. And it was slightly worse on plot than the Jake POVs usually are. Not to say I didn't like it, but I think some of the other Jake POVs mm. have been stronger just because this was the middle book in a trilogy, right? Yes. And as we have discussed recently mm-hmm. on our podcast, they, those always are yeah. boring. <laughs> yeah. I thought this was, um, they had some stupid plans. I think this was, sure. yeah, very typical Jake show here. Very stupid mm-hmm. plans. Um, but because it was the second book in this trilogy, they it worked, I guess, because it's like the yeah. one where they all failed a bunch. Right. We know it can't go. Well, I mean, I guess in retrospect, we know it all can't go, right? Yeah. The Bandalites you know, thought didn't Do you know anything. off the top of your head, did you happen to see if, um, is was this like, promoed as the david trilogy or is that just something fans called it after the fact because it's three related books i don't know i have no idea i would have i would assume that it was something the fans would have had to call it yeah because it's not like on the book cover anywhere right. or anything like that speaking of the book cover i just flipped to the front of it to yes. look at it since i said that just to make sure i wasn't talking on my ass I don't know what the tag... We haven't really delved into the taglines of these books very much, but they, like many of this type of serialized children's Oh, yeah, series, that's true. We haven't. Um, They have a tagline on it, and the one for this one is the newest Animorph has a secret, and it's not good. Which... When are the secrets good? Right. But also, <laughs> what is his secret? Because I don't think he does, unless it's just it's that the, he's, he's a like, sociopath. He's a sociopath, but that's not a secret. That's just like, it's not like he's been diagnosed as a sociopath. Yeah. (laughs) The secret was that he hated the Animorphs the whole time. Spoiler alert. (laughs) I don't even know if that's true, though, because it's not like, it doesn't seem like, the thing with David is that it's not that he has been actively against the Animorphs. And this comes up, I think, in this book. It's that he just is a flip-flopper and has no loyalty. Mm. So it's not that he he's hates a the Animorphs. Yeah, it's not that he hates the Animorphs necessarily. It's just that he's always going to look out for number one. Mm-hmm. Which, like, I don't think that's a secret. I think that's just a personality trait. <laughs> it's it's a secret because Jake didn't know that, I guess. 
Like, <laughs> I'm not like. There's a lot I'm of not, things apparently that Jake considers secrets. I'm not like, I need to tell you my deep, dark secret. What is it? I am very sarcastic. Like, that's not a secret. That's just a fact about me. <laughs> Just because someone hasn't explicitly said their personality trait, that doesn't make it a secret. <laughs> I also, I want to look at, if you're reading this on the Kindle, um, mm-hmm. and if our listeners are reading along with us and they have the Kindle edition, there's always like an illustration on the page after the cover, which like, I don't know where in the book that's placed. Maybe it's the inside cover of the book. It is because if you look at the fir- the cover, mm-hmm. the last picture the most animal-like picture, um, it doesn't show up like this on Kindle, but if you get the real-life copy, uh-huh. the head is cut out. So that oh. the, the picture, the next page that's the picture, the dog in that picture, that dog's head they is on the cover. They should have cut it out in yeah. the Kindle version somehow. Uh, but it's like, it's the picture is Jake in his Homer morph, which I don't even talk about this part in the, in the synopsis, FYI, but he does morph into Homer. <laughs> Briefly, his dog Homer. And then it's Cassie standing in the barn doorway, like, looking longingly at him. Like, it's a romance novel cover, but the woman's looking at a dog. There are some choices made. It's weird also, because I don't think usually... I'll have to go back and look at some of the other covers, but I don't think usually in that second picture there are other animorphs in it, Yeah, yeah. It's usually just the animal, but... Yeah. They had to share Jake's... Well, Cassie's longing for dog Jake, I guess. Yes, which like I I think honestly, the books are doing more and more and more to set up Cassie and Marco as endgame couple here. Right? And there was a big scene in this one that we'll get to mm-hmm. later that I was like Yo They could have kissed right then and it would have been normal. Uh-huh. Um so. it would have been normal and encouraged. <laughs> Well, um, that all being said, we've dropped enough hints now. We've tantalized our listeners enough. Let's talk about the summary of this book. Let's do it. So when we last left our Bandalite heroes, some of them were plummeting towards Earth in cockroach morphs. Jake, Cassie, Marco, Axe, and David. But, as we guessed, last time we talked about Animorphs, they're saved pretty quickly by Tobias and Rachel, who were outside of the helicopter in their bird of prey morphs, and they just kept them. This was also very, um, like, 90s serialized TV show with a cliffhanger type next episode, right? Where it's mm-hmm. like, it's a cliffhanger and it's like, they're in such great danger. And then the next episode starts off and it's like, mm, actually, they weren't re- they were really ever in danger. Off. Because, like, the cockroach, like, they they talk about it as they're falling and they're like, oh, if we hit the ground, it won't really be a big deal because yeah. cockroaches can't die by splatting. Because so, we're like, who cares? so small and, and cockroaches who are so strong. This doesn't matter at all. This big tension that children had to wait a month for, I guess, in yeah. between books. Okay, Applegate was just like, you fools. <laughs> you idiots. Don't you understand about cockroaches? Oh, <laughs> uh, so they land in Demorph and David makes some awkward jokes about how he would misuse his morphing powers and like he would morph into a bird or something and go into a jewelry store and steal all of the jewels and then leave. And he'd be like, no one could arrest me because I was a bird and you can't arrest birds. Bird law. <laughs> <laughs> and he's also like, fuck the Yerks. I would never fight them if I were on my own. And the others kind of give him a side eye. They're like, oh, that David, he sure is weird. Got some weird tendencies. 
but <laughs> the Vandalites have not given up on the president. So they go into their seagull morphs to get closer to the resort where the Yerks are having this not the Yerks, sorry, where the world leaders, the the president and other world leaders are having this summit on what's happening in the Middle East. So as they get close, uh, they can't get in because there's a human controller with a low-leveled, I always have to pause. How do we say this? Draken? Draken. Draken. Draken yes. is, I think, what we've decided on. <laughs> he, gets, he has this low-level Draken beam in his sunglasses that he's using to hit all the birds that come close to the resort. So he's just, like, cyclopsing it up over here, like, pshoo, pshoo, pshoo. They all go home after this. They they all get shot by the by the beam willingly to make it look like they're real birds. And then they all go home and David has to hide out in Cassie's barn because if you remember, he has no home and no parents and the Yerks are actively looking for him and know what he looks like. So we are accepting that Cassie's barn is an acceptable place for team members to hang out in. And sleep in, in the hayloft. And sleep in, and be safe from predators. And oh, yeah, but Tobias is definitely not invited. Interesting. <laughs> he is totally not invited, because <laughs> I think they try to, like, rationalize it, like, oh, he's a bird of prey, so, like, all the, like, the the prey animals would all be too unsettled with him inside there. I don't cool, know. Cool, cool, cool. I don't know. Cool, cool, cool. Everybody hates Tobias except Rachel. It's the <laughs> truth. so mean to Tobias. They truly it's are. So they are like, eat rats, turd head. Not even Tobias. Axe also has to live in the forest. That's true. Like, I mean, maybe he's chill with it. I don't know if we've ever actually gotten, like, Axe's opinion on houses, but, and if he would like to be indoors, but, like, <laughs> he's they have houses. For a family. He did, didn't he say in one book that he, like, would watch Cassie and her family and be like, yeah. man, I wish I could go inside and eat. And she's never like, hey, Axe, get in your human morph and come visit for dinner. Nobody is. Nobody is ever Nobody like is. that. That's Wow. Poor Axe. They're they really shitty. Like, David's whole complaint in this book about how, like, his life sucks and nobody cares about his life honestly is kind of valid because they have actively not been caring about their, like, supposed best friend's terrible That's shit true. lives for, like, 20 books now. Though, to also be fair, David has only known them for, like, two days, and there hasn't yeah, really yeah, been yeah. enough time for him to learn that. He's just, like, being preemptively. He's like... In retrospect, he's right. David did nothing wrong, maybe. <laughs> if I was David and I came into this situation and I was like, oh, hey, cool, guys. I'm so excited to turn into animals with you guys. Like, um, your friend here, the bird, what's his deal? What's he doing in his off time? And Jake was like, oh, nothing much. We just let him go live in the forest and get attacked by <laughs> eagles and have to scrounge for mice to eat. I would be like, cool, cool, cool. And he's like, your best friend? Cool. And you well, guys are going to help me with my situation? Well, he was a nerd before all this. We, did, hmm. we put his head in toilets. It was like, you know, it's just an extension of that. Axe is an alien. Who knows what he thinks? I'm just saying David might have been picking up on some oh, yeah. subtle subtle group dynamics in the Animorphs that made him a little unsure if they were actually going <laughs> to assist him with his own problems. Well, David is revealed to be a very smart boy, so I wouldn't put it past him to have picked up on those things. Um, so when Jake comes home. His parents tell him that his cousin Sadler, his cousin Sadler, what is that name? I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry if there are any Sadlers that listen to our podcast. I have never heard that name before in my life. Like, it's very 90s. It's very like, it's like a grunge nickname, you know, like his name is actually Terrence, but everyone calls him Sadler. I feel like it's a name that someone like an alien 
observing Earth culture in the mm. 90s would have come up with. It would be like one of their tests to see if they could integrate into Earth society would be like, you are in a classroom with two boys named Tanner, a Colton and a Michelle. Pick a name for yourself. And they'd be like Sadler. And their proctor would be like, A plus, you can go to Earth. <laughs> We also would have accepted Kyle or Jeremy or Brayden or Aiden or or Zayden or Hayden. So Cousin Sadler was hit by a car while he was riding his bicycle and he's in very... And he has three siblings who are named Justin, Brooke, and Forrest. And I mean, like... Just what's going on with that family? I'm sorry. Go That's ahead. That's okay. He's the oldest, too. Because I was going to say, like, Forrest and Brooke, you're like, oh, they were coming up with a nature theme, and they just ran out of nature words that were also names, but nope. I feel like they started with Sadler, and were like... I'm going to look up the meaning of the name Sadler. Probably means someone who saddles. <laughs> That's my guess. Uh, or someone who is sad. Not last name, first name. Okay. Babynames.com. Thank you. Uh... Yes, the meaning is saddle maker. Oh, see? Yep. It was a joke, but it's real. It's real. <laughs> I'm sorry for insulting all of those proud, proud saddle makers out there. Uh, it is on 68 members' favorite names list, but it's not currently ranked on the popularity charts. So. <laughs> he's, in, he's in terrible condition, like might die sort of condition. Uh, so I don't know. This car must have just been going 6,000 miles per hour. <laughs> so Jake's parents are like, we're going to be gone for a couple of days to go help Sadler's parents take care of the other kids. You guys will have to be here on your own. And both Jake and Tom the Yerk are like, oh, darn, what are we going to do without <laughs> parental supervision? And Jake is not really all that sad because Sadler was kind of a jerk. So he's like, whatever. Bye, mom and dad. <laughs> Glad it wasn't me is what he thinks. I also want to talk about, because there's a couple, I feel like I'm going to go in on this minutia that doesn't matter, like usual, and par for the <laughs> course. nothing to do with the plot, <laughs> but there's a couple things with this whole Sadler incident that I wanted to bring up. Okay. Number one is just like a, it's weird reading this as an adult sort of thing. Um, every time they talk about Sadler and their like family relationships, it's so weird because they always refer to like their aunts and uncles via the relationship to the kids, right? Mm-hmm. So like Tom and Jake are like, "Oh, why can't they stay with Rachel's parents?" And they're like, the their parents are like, "Well, Rachel's uh, Sadler's parents haven't been close to Rachel's mom since Rachel's mom and dad got divorced." And it's like yeah. they have names, yeah, and presumably your children know their aunts and uncles' names. <laughs> it's very weird that this is how we're doing this. Yes. Like, it might be more understandable if they were much younger children, but they are not. (laughs) They are fully teenagers. Like, the other thing I wanted to bring up about this was also just, like, how this whole situation really points to how shit Jake is at planning. Mm. Because there's kind of, like, this moment where he starts being a little bit panicky about, um, because his parents say, like, oh, if, you know, something happens to Sadler, we're probably going to take the kids afterwards. The other kids. And Jake's kind of like... Oh no, like, ooh, that might put a crimp in my plan. Because I hate know? those bratty kids. Well, yes. And also because then there'll be more people he has yes. to sneak around. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, so he he asks, he's like, well, how come, or maybe Tom asks, how come Rachel's parents aren't taking the kids and whatever? And they're like, oh, they're not close. Um, so 
the obvious thing here, and maybe I'll be proven wrong in a couple books if this comes up now that stuff has happened mm-hmm. and those children may be coming to stay with them. I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, who's to say? Who's to say? But if I was Jake, and honestly, I probably would have done something like this earlier, I would be like, oh, these other kids are going to stay in the house. I would try to suggest to my parents, number one, like, not like right to their face. I wouldn't be like, hey, you should do this. But I'd try to like drop hints. Tom should be helping out with those kids, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the oldest one. He should be babysitting all of them. Number two, since there's not enough beds at our house, why don't I go stay with Aunt Rachel's mom for a while to get out of your hair? Right. And so then Rachel and Jake will be in the same house. And then that way, like Rachel is helping out with this or Rachel's mom is helping out with this whole family drama without actually having to have the kids there and whatever. So then Jake and Rachel can be in the same house and they won't have to do all of this bullshit where they all call each other at 2 a.m., which keeps being the issue. Yes. And having to come up with codes. Mm hmm. Which it was pretty clever. Cassie's code was pretty clever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because that does come up now. So I will talk about it now. Excellent. That sounds like Good a logical segue. way to do things. Yes. Jake gets a call from Cassie. So here's their here's their conversation in code. Do you want to do this as a as a radio drama? Yes. Um I'll be I'll be Jake. Hello. <laughs> Hi Jake. It's Cassie. Hi Cassie. What's up? Hey, you know what? I heard Letterman got canceled. Is that true? No more Dave. Uh, did you check the TV guide? No, I looked everywhere else, though. Everywhere. Well, don't worry about it. He'll be there at the usual place, the usual time. Yes. <laughs> They're very subtle children. Uh, <laughs> so David has disappeared from the barn loft, and they all have to go out looking for him. And they eventually track him down to a Holiday Inn that david broke into and he's just like hanging out watching tv and shit and david tells them how much it sucks for him to not have a real bed or a tv to watch which like we said he's not really wrong but they're also still trying to save the president so you know i could go either way on this one like david your problems are smaller than the president's problems right now but also like this is a very real and immediate issue for one of your teammates so you should also try better to solve it i think that i'm actually gonna go to bat for david here Mm. because and i wasn't thinking this going into the episode but talking about it now i hate david i think he sucks a lot yes he's a bad dude he super sucks but he's 13 Mm -hmm. he didn't sign up like we've talked a lot about how like the animorphs didn't sign up for this and while it might be noble and good to be like Yes, I have been accidentally conscripted into this interplanetary war and I will fight for the fate of Earth. I don't think it's fair to expect that a 13-year-old will do that. Like, I think that, like, like, especially a 13-year-old, because it's like, yes, we all understand there are big, greater ramifications to their actions, but, like, 
you kind of don't get that grand scale when you're that age, right? Like mm-hmm, mm-hmm. things seem a lot bigger deal than they actually are. And things seem a lot smaller deal than they actually are. Like you don't have the idea of scale that you do as you, when you grow up and go out into the world. Right. right? Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's very easy for these kids who have been doing this for 20 books to be like, we have to save the president or the Yerks will destroy the world. You know, this kid just came into this and is like, I super don't give a shit about any of this. I don't care about like Dave. David seems to me like the typical metalhead goth kid, you know, who's like perpetually new in town, right? And di- you know doesn't give a shit about other people and mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's just because he he doesn't have friends and he doesn't have anyone who seems to give a shit about him. This like is his very parents, true. you know. Mm-hmm. I I think David is a problem, but like the way the Animorphs handle David is. Is also problematic. Pretty terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think speaking of Jake not planning well, why wasn't he just like, hey, David, my parents are going to be out of town for a couple days. Come to my house. We'll hang out. You can sleep in a bed. You can watch TV. You don't have to go home and smell like a barn and not have a shower or anything. Like my brother's a year. He probably won't notice you're there. (laughs) Oh, no. Maybe that's why. Maybe because Tom is a year. Tom would recognize him. Well, even if he did recognize him, Jake could just say... Oh, you know, the this kid David said his parents are out of town and he needed, like... Oh, yeah. You know, like, he doesn't have to tell Tom, like, what actually happened. He can just be like, oh, this kid's a friend of mine from school. He's staying over. Mm-hmm. And Tom might be like, that's the dude who got away. I'm going to tell the other Yerks. But, like, I don't know. They they could have done something to make... To de-escalate the situation At instead of doing what... just sneak him into the house then. Right. Yeah. Instead of doing what Jake does, which is saying... You're grounded. No. <laughs> just telling you the way it is. We're the only family you have now, David, which is a cult thing to say. Yeah. That's like, yeah. That's not good. The only people you can trust, the only people who can help you, we're all you have. Deal with it. Like, from David's point of view, this is an abusive ass relationship. Oh, yeah. Well, and I think just since since this all went down right he's just they've been just kind of mean to him like like mm-hmm. marco was making this joke about how like his parents are yerks like he's just joking yeah. about it and rachel's over here calling him a coward and shit and i don't know cassie's like your morals are bad and your jokes aren't funny i think that we are meant to view david as a villain because he ends up he's being villainous but villain, like though. the animorphs really they didn't do, do not a good job. Try. No, they did not. They did not court him very well. <laughs> no, they were just like, well, we all understand that saving the world is the priority and you got to get on board with that, my dude. They were just kind of like, bullies well, about it. Yeah, yeah, it's not a good look. No. All right, the next day, Cassie reveals her grand plan for getting into the seaside resort. Jake will become a dragonfly and the others will all become fleas. And in their flea morphs, they'll jump onto Dragonfly Jake and bite him so they don't lose their grip while they're in the air. And then Tobias, as a hawk, will pick them all up and fly them close to the hotel so Jake can buzz his way in there. (laughs) It takes them an hour for the fleas to jump on Dragonfly Jake's back (laughs) because (laughs) they're bad at jumping. (laughs) So... This plan is nonsense, it's right? Stupid. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if we want to go into whole googling spiral on this because I don't think we're going to find answers. Mm-hmm. But I don't think a dragonfly could support the weight of passengers, even if they are fleas. I don't think that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, dragonflies can be pretty big in comparison to other insects. Sure, 
And I feel like a dragonfly would probably eat a flea. I don't know about a dragonfly serving as a mode of transportation, though. I don't think it's, I don't think it's feasible. I don't know how. I don't think you can. Because here's the thing: are dragonflies strong? I thought about if we could Google this, but the only way that anyone could test this theory is if they made like a little weight jacket for a dragonfly, and I don't think anyone would bother doing that. So I think this is a mystery that we will never solve. All right, I'm reading uh, 10 surprisingly brutal facts about dragonflies. They calculate velocity, their eyes are incredibly advanced, they can see in all directions, they're efficient. I think most flying animals are pretty, like, calibrated to the weight that they are, right? Especially if they aren't capable of, like, birds we've discussed before probably can't pick up that much. But birds at least have things that they can pick stuff up with. Dragonflies really don't. So it's like... Well, they have... um, If you tell me dragonflies have thumbs... They don't have thumbs. (laughs) But their front legs can, like, create a cage. Oh. Do they carry stuff around? I have to read you this. This is so disgusting and brutal. This is from uh, (laughs) probably a very good source. It's Listverse. Uh, and this is a fact about dragonflies when they intercept their prey they first they fr- their front legs curve up to cage it in cutting off its escape and secondly okay. their hinge jaws clamp down and shred the wings of the fly immobilizing okay. it and then they can their jaws can open as wide as their entire head allowing them to eat virtually anything within reason wow. and they'll Amazing. consume their food in midair without even bothering to land all right. Well, I guess dragonflies can carry stuff. They can I'm carry wrong. stuff, but that is not what they chose to do. Is the thing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I definitely think they wouldn't be able to carry five separate fleas without, no. like, kind of you know, yeah. carrying a big pile of apples. It's like a helicopter, like, whoop, whoop, right? Whoop, they're like they're very specifically out. balanced in order to mm-hmm. to fly. Yeah. Maybe they should have gone with two dragonflies. <laughs> Or maybe. maybe they should have all been fleas on fucking Tobias. I don't know. <laughs> but then they couldn't they couldn't have the scene where Jake says, Okay, we're gonna draw straws for it to see who becomes this bug. And he like rings it so he gets it. And he de- and then it's a chapter break and he's like, Oh, I drew the short straw. It's like of course you he's did, like, Jake. I, of I, course I, you I, did. I drew the sh- the short straw. He 100% Darn. just had six straws Darn. of equal size, and then when everybody else took one, he snapped the bottom of the one that was left with his thumb. He's like, Yes, that's... he's actually also a <laughs> magician. He does sleight of hand in his spare time just so he can pick up more bugs. <laughs> uh, this works, surprisingly. I guess unsurprisingly. At this point, it's not surprising that it works. They come up with the most stupid outlandish thing, and then it just goes, fine, it's fine. So, because it took the fleas an hour to get on Dragonfly Jake's back, they don't have a ton of time to find a place to demorph inside the hotel. And so they end up in some air vents. Jake briefly gets stuck in a spider web. But then they all fall into what they think is an empty ballroom, except it seems to contain a mini Candrona pool full of yerks. Mm. And 
they all quickly demorph because it's literally like right at the two hour mark. Marco almost gets stuck in a half flea, half boy situation. But Cassie like grabs him and she's like, Marco, you are strong. You can do this. Picture what you look like and you will demorph. Just demorph, Marco. I love you. And then they kiss. No, I'm just kidding. That part does not happen. But (laughs) Cassie does save his life and Marco acknowledges that. And then he hugs her and starts crying. And then they kiss. I mean, again, they don't, but they should have. They should have. It would have been a good moment for it to happen. But definitely setting a stronger foundation here for a relationship between Marco and Cassie than there ever has been between Cassie and Jake. I will say with this book, I mean, I 100% agree it was super Marco Cassie, but like, I felt not more invested, but like, more, I felt it, Jake and Cassie's crush, if a a relationship Mm -hmm. or whatever we're calling it, was more believable in this book than I felt in the past. Because there was like, kind of some little moments where like, Cassie calls and Jake like, gets excited about it yeah and is like and when you know like stuff like that dog morph he's like i like this yeah girl. so like it was a lot more of like little moments like rachel and tobias typically have rather mm-hmm. than them just both being like oh i like jake i like cassie and not actually really seeming like they do yeah they linked arms at one point <laughs> mm. big big moment for them big moment <laughs> <laughs> But again, it's more like this relationship between a leader speaking to his advisor, which is what we think Cassie should be. She should step away from an active role and just be an advisor. Because look, she's like their cue right now. She's like, here's the plan. Here's the morph you're going to get. Here's what you're going to do with it. And then they do it. Like this is this is what Cassie was made for. She's also turning, especially in this book, turning out to be. And I wanted to talk about this at the end, but she's becoming somewhat of the group therapist right unfortunately yeah she's kind of getting that burden Uh, well yeah but when when people are having a freak out she's the most capable to talk them down Mm -hmm. which is like a thing that i believe as a good trait for cassie i think so too i think that suits her and of the five six of them she would also be the only one i would want to talk to So I'm I'm turning around a lot on Cassie. I'm not. I think that she's starting to find her groove. I know. I I would like what? her more if because Jake talks a lot in this book and the next one because remember we read them two at a time. So we <laughs> <laughs> he talks a lot about each person on the team having their role and he he mm. as the leader utilizing them their strengths, but he only seems to do that with Rachel. <laughs> I think that like. He's this is again like... everybody saying that Jake is really good at leading and utilizing strengths when really it's just that everyone has their strengths and acts accordingly. Yeah. Like Cassie's strength is like talking people down and like stu- you know animals and stuff and so she does that automatically. Mm-hmm. Jake does not tell her to do that. Right. Yeah. So like the whole idea of like oh Jake is such a great leader because he uses everyone's strengths is nonsense. Yes. I agree. Uh they realize, so there's this Candrona pool in this empty ballroom. They realize the Candrona pool is actually inside a hologram and force field that disguises it as a marble column, which matches the other marble columns that are in this ballroom. Yo, I did not understand anything that was happening I didn't with either. any of these holograms. <laughs> uh, I think, like, the big takeaway is basically it was like a straw, and they could fly into the top of the straw and hang out, and it was big enough for five teenagers and an andalite to shuffle around in yeah but it's a it's a call it's 
a column it's a in a huge a ass marble column in an indoor ballroom. I guess. What are we? What are we talking and about? And it's near a stage. I just. <laughs> I don't think that's how columns work. I don't. I don't think either. I'm not even going to Google that one. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna flat out say. I don't picture I don't think this if working. You ho- I don't think if you hollowed out a column, you would have enough room for f- six teenagers. Yeah. One of which is one like of, a horse. An antelope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they're shuffling around inside this hologram, I guess, trying to get comfortable and not stomp on a bunch of yerks at the same time, which is the other thing. So there's enough room for them for there to be a mm-hmm. yerk pool and they all stand around it. I don't know. Yeah, it's almost like it's almost like K.A. Applegate doesn't know how measurements work. Unless that's just like a tiny little tiny tiny thing. Like it's like a a, a, a glass. Because yorks aren't big. <laughs> I'm really starting to believe that K.A. Applegate like cannot tell distance. Like because we had that thing the with wolf. the the wolf and the dinosaur and we had the thing with the child and the bird and now we have <laughs> now we have this and now we have six bandolites and a yerk pool and a column and yeah. i just don't think these measurements work out i think they're convenient for her storytelling and that's all she needs that's all she needs that's probably for, just to be convenient is. which i guess i guess if you're 11 and reading this series it's fine yeah that's that's all <laughs> You've never been to a Marriott on the beach. You don't know what type of columns That's they have true. there. That's true. They could all be the size of a garage. I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, like <laughs> columns are. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so they're shuffling around inside here and three adults enter the room and they start arguing about how the banquet should go. And they've basically designed it uh, so that each world leader will have to walk past this marble column after their speeches that I guess they're going to give. And they'll get pulled in and yerked up. It's also revealed that, remember, when Visser 3 was talking about acquiring a morph from a human, they assumed it was the president. It was actually the White House chief of protocol. Red herring. And so he's running the show um, in this way. And the children are like, but why would he why would he do this and cassie's like he wants to be here it's all about the ego for him like she's like really starting to psychoanalyze people as well and this is another one of her hidden talents she's over here playing mind hunter like yes she is like she's like hannibal and at the end of each book she's like this is my design Anyway, the adults leave and the Bandalites decide that the way to escape is to make a distraction. So David's like, I'm going to pull the fire alarm. And he does. But before he can get back to the hologram to escape, he trips and falls and some controllers bust into the room. So David like quickly rolls under a table and hides and Jake leaves the hologram to save him, telling the others to get out, which they do immediately. And Jake starts to, like, army crawl towards David, and David starts to morph into a lion, and Jake is like, no, do not do that. And David's like, I wonder who would win in a fight, a lion or a tiger? I bet a lion would win. And Jake is like, okay, weird. Okay, let's be quiet and hide. (laughs) (laughs) So the controllers leave. They don't see a threat because this lion and a boy are hidden under a table so well. 
<laughs> Tables are big enough to cover lions, and columns are big enough to fit six teenagers. I, I guess. <laughs> oh, well, they escape. Jake and David escape. The Vandalites reconvene, and they're like, we're going to have to come up with a third plan to infiltrate this hotel. God damn. <laughs> and it's also dumb, so I'm just going to gloss over it. Uh, <laughs> suffice it to say, they do get back into the hotel, and they think they're about to save the world, but this are three. So they get back into that hologram tube column, and they're like all peeping on Visser 3. And then suddenly Jake's like, wait, this doesn't feel right. And Visser 3 turns around and looks at the hologram and he goes, it was a trap. And <laughs> what was this scene? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, it's very simple. And Visser 3 just created a hologram inside of a hologram inside of a hologram. <laughs> he incepted okay. them so hard. <laughs> what? Okay. Okay. So... <laughs> When did Mr. 3 decide to do this? What was his, like... There's no impetus for it. Right? Like, who's he just, like... Was it because... Okay, so I guess... Because the day before, they were like, oh, there's been a, a infiltration. I wonder if it's the Bandalites. Let's check the pool that was infiltrated. If the Yerks are still there... They, it wasn't the Bandalites. If they're dead, we know it's the Bandalites. Mm -hmm. Oh, the Yerks are all fine. Because the Animorphs are stupid and didn't kill them. But whatever. Uh, they worked out for them. The Yerks are fine. It couldn't have been the Bandalites, right? Right. So was that the point at which Vister 3 was like, oh, no, it was the Bandalites, and they've figured out my plan, and I'm going to double plan them. But it couldn't be, because the Animorphs already thought that, because this was the thing, at the end of this whole thing, fucking Vister 3's like, and actually, the banquet's tomorrow. Yeah, so I'm like, wondering if he gave false information. Here's my thinking. It's like, mm. he leaked out false information to find a mole. Mm. And now maybe Eric is going to be at risk. I don't know. Maybe. Because maybe. Eric was the one that told them when the ban banquet would right, be. Right, right. Either that or Eric did it. <laughs> and Eric is also the one who told them that a, one of the world leaders has been Yerk. Yes, so but not which one. Maybe that's bullshit too. Could be. I don't know. It was it was very suspicious though. And I feel like it it can't make sense at all unless... Visser 3 knew that the Vandalites were given the wrong date. Unless he's just, maybe what's happening <laughs> he just is does that this every night. <laughs> right. He's just constantly, like, in his free time, walking around anywhere he might be overheard and just saying dates and facts. Yeah, yep, yep. <laughs> or just all the time turning around going, it was a trap. I've trapped you, Vandalites. <laughs> Just in case they're there. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. So <laughs> That's what I'm going to do when I become a supervillain. <laughs> so <laughs> Visor 3 put the hologram of the marble column inside of a hologram of the president giving a speech at a banquet inside of a hologram of a bunch of hork bajir hanging out and guarding the, uh, the uh, Visor 3. I don't understand any of this. I don't understand what they mean by hologram inside of a hologram. Like, it's it's not. It's just a different hologram. Like when you <laughs> it's just one hologram that you. It's just one hologram doing different things. I don't. Uh, but Jake, Jake is like, maybe there's another hologram. It goes another layer deeper. We have to go deeper. It's, it's like 
if he was on like the the Star Trek like holodeck, right? Yes. And it's like there's a house that he goes into in the holodeck, he'd be like, Oh, this hologram inside of this hologram of Victorian England. It's like, no, it's all the same. <laughs> it's just one hologram. hologram God damn it's it. just different parts of the hologram. <laughs> If you die in the hologram, do you die in real life? You die in real life. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, because it's just a hologram. Uh, Oh, and also the other important thing here is that David almost betrays the Bandalites by surrendering to Visser 3. He, like, runs over to Visser 3 and he's like, don't kill me, I'll work with you. These guys fucking suck. And then... They start to fight, and they realize that the the hork Bajir are not there. They're not real. So it's basically, like, a couple human controllers and Visser 3 against the Bandalites. So they all turn into their big fighting morphs. And Which, again, how stupid is Visser 3? Because it's 100% like, okay, dumb. So stupid. Because it's like, I'm going to lay a trap for these very powerful Andalites, he I think. He thinks they are full-grown adult they Andalites. They think they are full adult Andalites. Um, I'm going to lay a trap for them. It's going to be hologram based, but then once they figure out it's hologram based, I'm going to have further holograms. I'm going to have further holograms that makes it look like I have a big army. But they will be primed to think that holograms are happening at this point because they figured out the hologram thing at the point that the army's there. So, you know, they're probably going to figure out the other hologram (laughs) aspect of this plan that is very heavily hologram based. And then I'm just going to have like me and two dudes. Who are going to be human and not useful. And we all have to be super quiet so that other humans don't come in. Right. Like, this is not a good plan. It's a terrible plan. It's not good. (laughs) But you know what? Thank God they're evenly matched. Yeah. I'm glad. (laughs) Glad Artie's barking right now. I'm glad their leader is just as incompetent as the Bandalite leader. So when when it looks like the Bandalites do have a chance of winning because everything is a hologram, David's actually like, fuck you, Visser 3, I'm with these guys. Um, but as they all leave, Visser 3 is like, David, I will be waiting for you. Come to me. I'll be at your old house. You can betray them again. <laughs> I'm going to loudly shout after you so they also know the plan. Like... <laughs> Come to me, David. I will be in a creepy van outside of your old house. <laughs> this isn't good. This isn't good. No. What are we doing, Visser? I don't know. He was like the... <laughs> and, and the way that they deal with this, like the conclusion to this particular storyline is just like such a... It's a nothing. It's... It was all... It was like the the most drawn out stupid red herring of a plot. <laughs> And you, it just it has to have some sort of long term ramifications. I just I don't. It can't just end the way it does in the next book. It does is all I'm saying. It probably <laughs> does. Well, you know, fuck it. It's stupid. Anyway, <laughs> so on all the way home, they're flying, and David's like, "I was so fucking awesome back there, you guys. I know. Did, did you see that part where I was like, fuck you, Visser Three?'" And they're all like, "Uh huh." And Jake actually like he like thought yells. To the others like don't fucking say anything don't don't call him a coward don't talk don't talk bad about him just agree with him and tell him how awesome he is this is definitely gonna solve the problem <laughs> i mean to be fair to jake this is and also to dunk on jake um this is what they should have been doing from the beginning with david yeah. it is just far far too late to be doing it now i agree i mean what they should have been doing with david is like hey 
here's the situation that you've got going on. You have these powers. Uh, we have to go save the president, but you can like stay here in my bedroom for the time right. being and just chill. And if you come up with this idea where you can rob jewelry stores as a bird, I guess do it. But like, <laughs> just just like stay away from this president stuff. <laughs> I mean, I think that their fear would be that he would be immediately <laughs> suspect to any Yerks and then they would track him back to them. I but guess. like, there's got to be some some solution here. Like happy medium. Yeah, like, don't involve David entirely in all of your plans, and also maybe support him a little bit, and also maybe don't give him magical powers that, like, you know, it's just, like, it was so poorly handled from the beginning. Uh, Yeah, I think they were just so excited to think that they had another ally that they were just, like, immediately treated him like they would treat any of the others, which is not the way you need to go about it. Right. But then they just, like, are so mean to him. Uh, Yeah. like the way they are to their best friends yeah yeah uh so david immediately tries to betray them again he sneaks out of cassie's barn again they haven't come up with any better security for this except jake has the foresight to spy on him even though he like fell asleep (laughs) (laughs) access to come wake him up um and tobias was also watching so tobias went on ahead and followed david and axe and jake are trying to catch up. They show up to David's old house. And David is like, I killed Tobias, motherfuckers! And he reveals a dead hawk. And they are all in complete shock. Jake Terrible. feels this anger he's never felt before. He wants revenge. So he goes, he tells Axe to go get Rachel. Because they're gonna have to do some bad shit. And Rachel's a badass. Meanwhile... Jake and David fly to the mall for their showdown and they get in their big cat morphs and start fighting. Because, you know, lion versus tiger, who would win? Do you get it now, Jake? David eventually (laughs) pushes Jake through a skylight of the mall and then the book ends with Jake falling to his doom. Just like the first book in this trilogy. We gotta stop. We gotta stop doing that. Yeah, just, you know. At least give it a book between before you do the exact same (laughs) ending. Exact same ending. Uh, I know you've got 50 some of these motherfuckers to get through Applegate, but you need to space out your your cliffhangers in which people are plummeting to their death. True. So for this book, because we read this one and the third book in the trilogy um, back to back, we did write down our guesses mm-hmm. for what we think would happen so that we may have some sort of speculation for you yeah. all. And I don't think we're going to get too heavily into them in this episode, but we'll probably revisit it next episode. Yes. But let's present them without commentary now. Okay. Um, I have one, two, three, four, five, six. I wrote down six little things. What kind Dang. of seven? Um, they're mostly just stream of consciousness, like me writing down <laughs> what I thought. Um, so who wants to go first? Well, I've only got three. Okay. So do we want to like... Well, one of you mine do... is the same as yours, so okay. If you read that first one, then it will be the okay. same for both of us. My first prediction is Tobias isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Obviously, yes. this is a gimme. He's probably badly injured, though, and this will fuel Rachel's lust for blood. Mm-hmm. I also have an additional, or he is dead, but they have to time travel with the help of the Elemist or something because this shit seems a little dire. <laughs> Uh, and then your next, what was your next one? 
Uh, my next prediction is mm-hmm. David is going to try and acquire the DNA mm-hmm. of Jake's almost dead cousin and take over his life. And there will be a lot of comparisons between him and the Yerks. I didn't have anything related to that because I totally forgot about Sadler. <laughs> How could you? His name is Sadler. Um, I did write, I hope the world leaders are not captured, but it would certainly take the series to a dark place if they were. Also, they will probably do another bullshit bug morph. <laughs> My last prediction is I'm sticking with the theory that David will be dealt with by morphing into something innocuous and getting stuck like that but I think it will be an intentional maneuver from the Animorphs to trick him into getting stuck rather than a whoopsie. Mm-hmm. And mine, considering David, was what will happen to David? I, I went to say Applegate will kill him, but only because I want there to be a murder in the book. <laughs> <laughs> it might be something like he's in a bug morph and Elephant Rachel squashes him or something. <laughs> or maybe it'll be Marco because he and David hate each other so much. But the kid is a full-blown sociopath, so they need to do something. <laughs> And then my last one was, why does Rachel become a rat? Because on the cover of the next book, she's turning into a rat. Um, Maybe that's how they're going to infiltrate the hotel. But considering how they've already decided it's impossible to get inside, I don't know how they'll do that. (laughs) (laughs) So that's our that's our series theories for the end of this trilogy. Did you have any series theories for the series? Not really. I think I think I'm going to save the couple because they kind of mm. relate to both books okay so i think i'm gonna save them for the next morph Monday. that's a that's a good call because we, we'll have yeah. yeah we'll need to talk about stuff there who was your uh, most valuable morph this week uh, most valuable cassie hands down me too yes she she this was this was cassie at her peak like mm-hmm. she was she was a shining star i also wanted to give cassie special props this week for not fucking murdering David when David did the thing that most made me want to kill him earliest in this that? book, which let me pull it up real quick. Um, This was the moment that I knew that David was absolute trash. David laughed. He's like a racist or something, only with birds oh, instead of people. I forgot about this. All those birds are different species, Cassie pointed out. Humans are all one species. Not really a very good comparison. David shrugged and looked a little sullen. Whatever. As a reminder, Cassie's Cassie black. is the only black animorph. The fact that she did not murder this idiot, props to her. She <laughs> she tried to educate. She did the emotional Oh labor. my god. What the fuck is wrong with him? Oh, he just doesn't care about anyone or anything. And his jokes are bad and don't make sense. His jokes are bad. He is bad. The Animorphs dealt with him poorly, and it annoys me because they ended up being justified because he is trash. But they still should have been nicer to him to start. True. Just from a strategic point. I'm excited to talk about what happens, though, in the Mm -hmm. next book. Because just as a teaser for you guys for in two weeks, this coming up, the next book coming up was my favorite so far, hands down. It is a wild ride. It's very good. <laughs> it has a lot of the stuff I look forward to, which is like reminiscing about uh, philosophical bullshit, mm-hmm. but from Rachel's perspective, which is something we don't usually get. Yes. Yeah. Usually she's all action, but she does mm-hmm. she does have to reflect a little bit on herself here. Or not on herself, but I guess on Jake. No, I think on herself too. A little bit. Yeah. But we'll get yeah. to that next week. 
Yes. No, two weeks. Sorry. You all know what we mean. Yes. Um, <laughs> how about, speaking of uh, kind of next week and how it takes some turns, mm. um, did you have a morbid moment for oh, this Oh, yeah. Week? I forgot. I think my morbid moment for this week is when Marco is having, like, this full-on meltdown because he cannot demorph from the flea fully. So he's stuck mm-hmm. in this, like, really grotesque yeah version of neither flea nor boy and he is he thinks he's going to die this way it is very upsetting like we always get that kind of body horror when they're in between morphs right mm-hmm. but i think the added like fear of death thing was yeah and the fact that it was marco and then immediately after he like begins to cry is just yeah it's a that lot was rough that it's was real lot. rough yeah how about you um, mine's from very similar part of the book mm-hmm. right before that when they're stuck in the air vent and Jake starts to like demorph in order to like get more mass so he can like bust out or whatever. Oh yeah. What's going on. Yeah. The spider web. But oh yeah. Of the spider web. That's what it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but Cassie is like, so they're all biting onto him. Oh, I forgot about this. Yeah. Oh, my God. And he, as he gets bigger, his like artery bursts in her mouth. So his human artery. Yes, yeah, so sh- her, she immediately fills with blood, and then it's too much, and her body bursts. This and like fu- that I is forgot about that. That's so disgusting. fucking disturbing. That's so fucked up. Like, what are we doing? That's uh, I thought the ant hill was like the worst thing, but no, she's nightmares. going hard now. Nightmares. Okay, Abigail's yeah. like, I gotta shock these children. Cassie becomes a full on blood gusher. Oh my god, and- it's so gross. <laughs> It was gross. It was a lot. Mm. Too much. <laughs> Poor Cassie. <laughs> yeah, another reason why Cassie deserves it this week. Yeah, because she didn't, like, stop and cry about it for 30 pages. No, she, was like, she was like, gotta keep on going with this plan. Save the president. Let's go. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so this was a good, this was solid. I Like, it was, it was definitely better than some of the middle books we've read in the series oh, for so sure. far. It is very second book in a trilogy-ish. Yeah. But I will say I think that in a good way. Um, aside from the fact that it's Jake instead of Marco, I think this one is a little bit more interesting than the first one as mm-hmm. well in terms of like stuff is picking up and David's suspicion. Yes, yes, yeah. Because we don't really know what his deal is going to be. Like I do remember thinking at some parts of this book, I'm like, David must know a lot more or he must like he must have some kind of insider information that he hasn't revealed or something yeah because he does like i guess it's just the fact that he's smart (laughs) he thinks ahead about stuff that (laughs) threw me i was like he's gotta be an alien there's no way he's this smart (laughs) see i never thought he was i i was very sure that he was a human child and he was gonna grow up to be a serial killer he yeah it was just like well this this guy is just which is like kind of something that we haven't really dealt with that much in these books, right? Is that sometimes yeah. humans suck? Yeah, like, that's true. You know, maybe this maybe this is the turning point. Yeah, another I mean, like, turning I guess point. There's lots we've of we've kind of points. seen humans who have like decided to be yerked up for their own like goals and needs and whatever. Although we haven't really gotten into their psychology, but like I think yeah. this is the first time that we've really had like a human who is actively aware of the situation and it's decides to shit. act against the animorphs. Yes. Right? Yeah. Agreed. Drunk yeah. with power. Mm. Anyway. Cool. Um, that's about it for this week. Next week, we are going to be finishing up 
right? Yes. That's the next one. Yeah. We're going to be finishing up uh, Anna's unit on The King Marries a Dum Dum with <laughs> uh, Naomi Novik's Spinning Silver. And then the week after that, we will be back with another Morph Monday to wrap up the David trilogy yeah. with number 22, The Solution. Mm-hmm. Solution to what, you may ask? Mm. I mean, I think it's obvious. I think it's David. Yeah, it's David. <laughs> <laughs> oh, very cool. Uh, in the meantime, if you want to talk to us about your series theories, your speculations on what is going to happen with David... Uh, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us, ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all your favorite podcast aggregating platforms, so if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should, or else Visser 3 may be waiting outside of your home in a creepy UPS van uh, in the middle of the night <laughs> to come get you. If you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review. But if you do not use Apple Podcasts, that's all right, because you can talk about us anywhere on the internet you would like. Just don't tell the Yerks about us, I guess. LOL. In the words of K.A. Applegate, I was carrying a teardrop-shaped lead weight. It wasn't all that big, maybe four ounces. But try carrying even four ounces when you're a peregrine falcon. Falcons aren't all that big, and yet... Five eagles were able to carry a full-grown man just a few books ago. (laughs) Interesting, interesting. Interesting use of research in between books there. (laughs) Which, like, that's cool, but, like, I don't, I, I feel like... I don't know what I'm trying to say. Maybe just move on. Okay. I don't have a joke. <laughs> I thought I'd come up with a joke because you kind of paused there and I was like, oh, a pause. I'll say something funny. And then I realized I had nothing funny to say about this. <laughs> That's okay. I'll laugh anyway. <laughs> uh- <laughs>